I'm not pissed that the Bills lost. Uh, I'm not even that surprised that they lost because the Bengals are that good and we could kind of see it coming. But as you said, we're pissed that the Bills got blown out, right? Because the Bengals had more fight, a better plan, and I don't think that's sitting right with anybody. Our thoughts on that topic and much, much more coming up next. But first and foremost, it's the Bills Wire podcast. Welcome to the show. And it's a post-mortem episode for us, Nick, unfortunately. I think Bills fans got to be disappointed, devastated, pissed, probably all of the above, right, after the Bills got manhandled by the Bengals and no-showed. I think it's fair to say there was kind of a no-show here um, in the playoffs at home. Uh, This is, it's a tough one to swallow, even a few days later. Like, what's kind of sticking in your craw, Nick, after this 27-10 drubbing by the Bengals in Sunday's divisional playoff game? Yeah, Ryan, it's just, um, you know, it's a it's that lack of life, that lack of really everything Matt Milano kind of said, right? He was the guy who, uh, interestingly, uh, we, that post is uh, up on Bill's wire, and uh, Matt Milano is, is not your PR darling who always has something interesting to say, but he, he's kind of the guy who just answers a question kind of straightforward. And as few words as possible, but he did kind of get a little bit detailed for his levels. But yeah, he was like, there was no juice, no momentum, no energy. It was just, yeah, that was kind of it, right? That's kind of, I think, how everyone left this game feeling where it was like, you know, the Bills always seemed at some point throughout the year, they at least had, you know, a, a chance of swinging back. But it just kind of snowballed on them, really. Um, I mean... They had the Bengals, I think, put up points on five out of eight drives that they had. And this was actually Justin Delora pointed this out, one of our contributing writers. So they scored on five of eight. I think one of the successful quote unquote ones was the end of the first half. And another one, one, another one was a punt when they were winning 27 to 10. So there was like no good momentum defensively, obviously an offense. That's a team that put up how many points, how many different weeks only put up 10 points. Um, yeah, just so, so disappointing. And, uh, that was the biggest takeaway to, to, to answer it, Ryan. It's, it, it just not the bills that we were used to seeing, um, you know, a, a little, a little credit to us. Um, as we were talking before, we, uh, kind of, uh, foresee, uh, foresaw some of this stuff coming maybe on our podcast last week for folks that listen, uh, regularly, but, um, yeah, yeah. I, I even thought, I mean, I wrote for our Sports Weekly, I picked Bengals 27 to 24. Uh, even I thought the Bills were going to at least bring something a little bit closer. But I mean, I didn't pick Bengals in a blowout. I picked the Bengals to win, but not a blowout. That was the shocking part. Yeah, the Bills never get blown out, right? It's only only a handful of times in the last three years have we seen them even lose by two possessions. So um, it's definitely startling when they when they lose a game like this. And, and the voice you just heard, of course, is Nick Woten. He's the managing editor of USA Today's Bills Wire. I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us, and we appreciate you for uh, subscribing as well. Uh, and it's not that the Bills lost, Nick, right? Because you just mentioned what we talked about last week, and we talked about the Bills being really good. <laughs> the Bills are good. I mean, I'm sorry, the Bengals. Well, the Bills are good, too. The Bengals are really good, though. They have a generational talent at quarterback. They were red hot, right? Do you know the last time the Bengals lost, Nick? It's October 31st. October I was 31st. Say, it's been a while because they're the only team that has a longer streak than the Bills that going into last week in terms of winning. Yeah, it was going on three months now since they've even lost a game. So there was that piece of it. The Bengals are just a red hot team. But then there's the elephant in the room that we kept hitting on last week. And it's that the Bills didn't really have it this year. They just didn't have it like we could we could feel it. 
we could feel it coming. I think all Bills fans could feel it coming. I don't think there was any Bills fan that went to bed on Saturday night feeling super confident about this game. Um, turnovers have been an issue all year. Tackling became a major issue on defense. I think the Bengals really exploited that with some of their horizontal passing game to Jamar Chase that was really effective to them. The tight end stuff they did, um, really putting the Bills in space and they did not handle it well. The quarterback, Josh Allen, has not been right. Uh, probably not 100% healthy. I think he even, you know, let us know that a little bit in some of the postgame pressers after the game and on Monday and the coaching, right? Uh, which I want to get to the coaching definitely wasn't good enough. Nick Sean McDermott said afterwards to put it on him. I think we absolutely should, right? The bills played like a poorly coached team in a bunch of spots this year. There were little spots, little pockets. I keep calling it situational football because you know, I'm a bill Belichick guy uh, and that's what he always says. So it's like the mm-hmm. situational stuff. The bills seem to come up short time and time again. We see that, but They were so severely outcoached in Sunday's playoff game by Zach Taylor and the Bengals that I think even a casual fan who barely watches the football, but just, you know, maybe they're, they have a a loose connection to the bills and the one to root for them. They, they even could have watched that and said, oh man, that team was way more prepared than the other one. So one team was ready to play. What was the game of the year for the NFL, which I think that's what that game was. And one wasn't. And so I'm not pissed that the bills lost. Uh, I'm not even that surprised that they lost. Because the Bengals are that good and we could kind of see it coming. But as you said, we're pissed that the Bills got blown out, right? Because the Bengals had yeah. more fight, a better plan, and I don't think that's sitting right with anybody. Yeah, Ryan. Um, you mentioned, you know, being out coach, and that does just definitely what it seemed. I mean, between, you know, um situational things in the field, a lot of people are making a big stink about the Bills punting it down 17 to 10. Uh it was but it's fourth and ten near the I, I I think I can argue more maybe Tyler Bass going for a field goal, but then again, it, it that weather wasn't pretty, so I wasn't as fussed about that. But there were certain you know in game situations, you know potential you know challenges or lack thereof sort of things, and I mean the play calling, and it just seemed of course the mindset going in, yeah, like one team was just engaged in the contest and the other one wasn't, and like you said, it was it was this game was you know pegged a couple weeks ago as the game of the year and then it just uh you know was not that this this sunday i mean anything but um i think you know a lot of people from the neutral standpoint probably walked away from that one feeling very similar to uh you know the way that giants fans walked away from their game too it was really just no fight no fight in one of the teams and and the bills just didn't have and that's gonna that's gonna fall on the feet of the uh of the coaching staff and uh yeah, this is four four straight, you know, playoff appearances, which is great for the Bills after you had, you had nearly two decades without it. But uh, yeah, just an un- underwhelming feeling for sure. Um, and and, and I, I'm not really one buying into the whole, you know, I mean, but even this, you know, kind of falls on coaching, which is why I'm mentioning it. I mean, the Bengals were awfully pumped up about, you know, the selling of neutral game tickets. You know, that doesn't go, your coach doesn't not mention that, not allow you guys to feed into that mantra of like we're the underdog so um yeah that's kind of the Bengals are you know interestingly they're just they're coming in saying hey we technically they were the underdog but it's like come on man you just played in the super bowl last year not the actual underdog but they they had that coat that mentality from their coach and you know if they need to say that you know if they need to say that neutral tickets being sold is the thing that's going to motivate them, so be it. Meanwhile, completely ignoring the fact that they were also selling tickets. Exactly. <laughs> in case the Jaguars came to town. But uh, more power to them because the Bills just did not have that. They did not have the juice. I don't know if the Bills just thought that, that you know, they're home, so they're going to win or what was going on. Or 
I, yeah, they just, the life just didn't look, look to be there. Whatever could go wrong did go wrong. No, there were no Jaguars Bengals tickets that even existed. No, no fan even had those in their, in their inbox. Nick, they didn't, they never existed. <laughs> they were waiting. Yeah. Right. Bengals. Come on. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's true. We talked about that last week too, and not to pat ourselves on the back, but we were really worried about this game. And, uh, we talked about the Bengals coming in with a boulder on their shoulder, not a chip, right? They just, that was a thing that the, mm-hmm. they did get screwed in the neutral site thing. And I'm sure they use it as motivation and, and good for them. You mentioned the giants and Dayball, the giants getting blown out. At least Dayball got the most out of his team probably. And they just lost to a better opponent, right? The bills are on the level with the Bengals. They're a peer of the Bengals. Yeah, so I think point. that's why, that's why it hurts. And then you also mentioned the play calling, which I thought I, I like these pressers right after the game, Nick, because you get like the raw emotion. I think Josh was, uh, Josh Allen was a little more clear headed on Monday, but you get some of the real stuff right after the game. And he was asked about Ken Dorsey. And I thought his response was, uh, was pretty interesting. First year with Ken Dorsey as offensive coordinator. I know it's kind of too early to look back on it all, but if you could reflect on your relationship with him throughout the season and how it developed. Yeah. Again, just the, the trust aspect of, you know, what he's calling, trying to be an extension of him. Um, you know, I think statistically we're eerily similar or if not better than what we were last year. Um, so again, to come in and to have some of that same groove, um, you know, you can continue to build on that. Now, it's not like Josh Allen is is like mad at the question or anything, Nick. He answers it, but it it almost came across a little defensive to me. It's like, yeah, we're now like Dorsey's my guy. That's what I got out of that response. You know what I mean? Nobody yeah. brought up Brian Dayball. It was like, yeah, it was a little bit um, the thing that kind of makes you pause for, you know, guess a slight second. It wasn't some big ordeal um, or anything like that, like you you noted there, Ryan. But it was um, just the fact that he brought up the comparison and he brought up the statistics when nobody really asked about that. Right. He just kind of was asked, like, hey, how has your relationship grown? And then he kind of went towards that direction when it's almost like, hey, Josh, like surprisingly, the you know, PR dandy that he is knowing exactly what to say and go my guys and we're a team and blah, blah, blah. I kind of let it slip there. Yeah, I thought so. And then, so then what, do, what do you do? Especially if you're like an a-hole like me, you look at the stats. All right, Josh, let me look at the stats. Right. So I did, I pulled I did. it up with Dayball in 2021 and Dorsey in 2022. And Josh is right. If you look at the numbers side by side, very similar, eerily similar. As he said, the bills actually Nick averaged the exact same number of points per game in both seasons, regular seasons, 28.4. I found that amazing. Uh, they led the league in third down percentage, co- conversion percentage, I s- should say, passing yards per game, even the rushing, obviously scoring, all eerily similar. So Josh Allen is right there. There were two outliers, though. <laughs> so Josh, when you make this comment, I'm going to go find the outliers. And uh, one of them, Nick, you've been hitting on, hitting on all season, turnovers. The Bills offense was third in the league in giveaways with 27 this year, which is even worse when you consider the Bills played one less game in the regular season than every team not named the Bengals. And Cincinnati had the fourth fewest giveaways, mm-hmm. by the way, um, the Bengals did. So in 2021, the Bills were 17th in giveaways. So they w- they jumped from 17th to third in giving the football away. And again, did so while playing one less game than just about the entire field. So that Josh Allen is not the same as last year. And then also sacks. I found this one to be interesting. The Bills ranked 16th in offensive quarterback sacks per game. So this year, that's AKA, how many times did you allow a sack? Speaks to the O-line a little bit. In 2021, the Bills ranked first in quarterback sacks per game. So Allen was sacked the fewest times on average in 2021, but that jumped to 16th uh, in 2022. So those, those are two big categories there, Nick. Sacks, which obviously 
negative plays that often kill drives and giveaways, which is never good. Both of those categories spiked. So that's not good. So yeah, while the the stats are great, and honestly, I think uh, we joked about GM Nick Woten. You could assign uh, Von Miller before we started recording, Nick. We were talking about that before we came on. Well, uh, play caller Nick Woten could probably have a successful offense with the Bills because Josh Allen is that good. Stephon Diggs is that good. They have ridiculous talent. I think sometimes the Bills' talent acts as deodorant. You know, it like it covers up what stinks on the team, and they're not a team that's like without holes uh, at all. And I think there are some that we're going to get to here, but uh, those aren't good. So they got they have to fix that piece, right? They can't turn it over as much. They can't give up sacks. They have to address this. And I think maybe it's just like, can they make it a little bit easier on themselves, whether it's getting more talent, whether it's changing some of the play calling, right? Nick, like the Bengals just, they made it look easy, man. I mean, Burrow's just making easy throws, wide open guys. They're scheming guys open. They're throwing it short. Like, again, a lot of Jamar Chase horizontally, a lot of tight end stuff, throwing it to the running backs. Like, the Bills don't do a lot of that. Like, Devin Singletary ranked 15th among running backs in the league this year in receptions. James Cook caught less than 20 balls. Naheem Hines was a non-factor after they picked him up in the passing game. They don't really throw to the Mm -hmm. running backs. They don't throw to the tight end enough. So, like, can they just make it a little easier on themselves? After watching the Bengals play, it's like everything seems hard for the Bills, but easy for the Bengals. And that's kind of annoying. Yeah, I think, you know, of course, Allen's elbow, I think, played a part in in everything um, this season. Uh, it certainly just seemed shortly after that his MVP kind of pace dropped off significantly. Um, he flew out of the gate um, and then that ended. Uh, interestingly, you know, you mentioned how there are a lot of comparisons that were that uh, mirrored last year. And while you're talking, I looked this up just just for the heck of it. Um, he had, um, you know, I was thinking maybe, hey, how is his rushing? How were his rushing numbers? Good one. Was he maybe stuck in, a, in the pocket too much? Or no, he rushed the ball only two more times this season than last season. So maybe a couple, a handful more, considering the number of you know games played and stuff. But he also, you know, even just through one less game, he he also ran for one yard less than last season. It's so similar. Three <laughs> year ago, seven sixty two this year. So yeah, there was one more game, but he was about the same in that area. So it's like I was thinking maybe were guys just spying him so much and he like wasn't a you know dual threat this year. No, he's right right at the same level as last year. And that just for me, it's just so much makes me think of his elbow and just maybe teams, you know, not that they weren't respecting his arm or anything like that. But I mean, even Allen said um during locker cleanout day that, you know, only two weeks ago his elbow started feeling better. And yeah, it's um it just uh it just seemed like that was off for him. Uh, and, and, you know, that's not going to be the only thing. Allen's not going to use as an excuse himself, but uh, that is a big thing for me in terms of the offense. And if there is one thing I think that we can take by uh, the Burrow and Allen comparisons, um, you know, and, and the turnovers is, you know, the, the obvious number one thing. Don't do that, Josh. Only turn it over late. You know, the game was essentially over when he did throw it away um, against the Bengals. But, um it's the quickness that he gets the ball out with. That is one thing that Joe Burrow gave his team over the Bills. The Bills' subpar pass rush, pass rush had no chance of getting to him because he just got the ball out so quick. And Allen, obviously, with his mobility, he likes to let things develop, make things happen, and they just that just wasn't, you know, maybe mix in a couple more quicker plays. You know, uh, that 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 could be um, that could be a a big difference here because I, I don't I, I apologize I don't have the exact number, but I think. 
from what I saw from next gen stats, I remember that Burrow got the ball out one second, a whole second quicker than Allen, which over the course of a game, you know, one second, you know, these pass rushers have barely, you know, two seconds to get to the quarterback. You got to beat your guy. You got to tackle him. Uh, but that one second, you know, Allen was uh, holding on to the ball a little bit extra and uh, Joe Burrow just wasn't and the Bills couldn't get to him. No, one second in that with that stat is actually a lot, right? When you're you're talking about like tenths of a second is actually a lot of, with that stat. So a whole second longer is telling. Um, a lot of that again is scheme, though, right? Burrow, they knew they had. We heard about it all game, and that's why this line jumped up to five and a half. That's why the Bills were favored by so much. I think the real money was coming in on the Beng. Uh, I'm sorry, the Bills because of the all offensive line issues on the Bengals side, and the Bills weren't able to. Um, they weren't able to take advantage of that, right? So when we're talking about the coaching, we got to look at, again, Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier. Like, the Bengals had a clear plan, it seemed, Nick. We're going to protect Burrow with the quick game. We're going to attack horizontal, short with Jamar Chase, attack with the tight end, run the football. Uh, it was weird that the Bills didn't have an answer or never, like, seemed to adjust. They kept saying on the broadcast that the Bills are just sitting in that zone and Burrow's moving guys around with his eyes. And that's like... That's that's something Burrow can do. He's, again, a generational talent. Uh, and it's just like to not have anything dialed up to attack that weakness on the Bengals O-line and for them to just to get away, not only unscathed, but to just like handle the game. And again, like last week you said you brought up Joe Mixon and you said, look out for Joe Mixon. He's going to be a problem. And I just I kind of like ran over you when you said that, Nick. I said, ah, no, it's fine. Hand it off all you want, because do you know where the Bengals ranked in rush yards per game last year, Nick? Yeah, it wasn't great. No, it was, it was 29th. It was 29th. Yeah. So kudos to you for calling it last week. I didn't think that was going to be a big factor, especially with the O-line stuff. Like, no way. I, I thought if they wanted to run the ball, that's going to be advantage Bills. And it wasn't. The Bills were getting mauled by those reserve offensive linemen. And they weren't getting a lot of pressure on Burrow. And if they were, he was getting the ball out too fast anyway. So, like, why can't the Bills scheme up some of that stuff? Right. And why wasn't the defense more prepared for what the Bengals are throwing at him? It's just like all around. It's like you got to look at the coaching with a critical eye. I don't think Leslie Frazier is going anywhere unless it's to be a head coach. I don't think McDermott's going anywhere. Rightfully so. I don't even think Ken Dorsey's going anywhere. Obviously, Josh Allen loves him. But we got to look at this with a critical eye because coming up short in the playoffs is uh, is, is tough. And the fans are, uh, I think, getting restless, Nick. Uh, and then you, you watch how it plays out yeah. on the field and you're just scratching your head. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. You know, I mean, um, you know, you have um, high expectations now. You know, that's what happens in sports. And, yes. You know, they aren't uh, the Bills haven't met them, unfortunately, and that that that'll happen. You know, it's, you know, not to um, not to pick on them or anything. But, yeah, I mean, you know, it, most would say that um, and, and I'm not going to I'm not going to sound nice here, but most would say the Bills in the early 90s underachieved and they made it to four straight Super Bowls and didn't win a single one. Uh, well, they've made it to the playoffs four straight years in a row and haven't made a single Super Bowl. They haven't won a single, you know, and then they've only been to the AFC championship game once uh, out of those. So it's, you know, it's it's not it, they're they're kind of doing worse than that. Right. I mean, if you Wrong objectively direction. look at it, yep. they're technically not. They it seems like surface level here. You know, this is the heyday for Buffalo Bills football. I mean, technically, their other heyday was still better than this. You know, you have Allen breaking every record every single week, it feels. But. That's great. All and great. But, you know, facts are facts it's, it's to me. And it just, you know, at this point, I'm not saying fire McDermott. I'm not saying, you know, get rid of everyone. But for looking at this objectively, they're underachieving. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, you go from AFC championship game to 
craziest finish ever last year in the divisional round game against the Chiefs where you kind of got robbed, but just, I guess you blew it at the end and Mahomes was great and whatever and Kelsey, but come on, the Bills got robbed. They had that game won. <laughs> they had it. Uh, it got ripped yeah. out. That was like literally hearts ripped out of your chest, but then you get blown out at home this year in the divisional round. It's like, no, that's a step back. That's fair. That's fair to say. Let me ask you this, Nick. If Case Keenum or Mark Matt or Matt Barkley, sorry, not Mark, Matt Barkley, if either of those guys ever had to come into a big game for the Bills, even if it was just for one series, what do you think would happen? Oh, um, would would look a lot different, right? I think we'd <laughs> see a lot more running back. I think we'd see a lot more quick passes. We'd see a lot of difference. Um, <laughs> and that's something that the Bills really, um, you know, they rely so much on Allen as as many teams would. But uh, yeah, it's not quite. It's even you know. You know, uh, Lamar Jackson is such a dynamic player, and it just seems like they even, you know, occasionally will have, you know, um, Huntley, I think, is their backup, right? I mean, he he kind of runs the offense in a similar manner. The Bills, on the other hand, you know, they had kind of Trubisky in here previously that he can move a little bit. You know, he wasn't like a statue back there like Keenum would be. But, uh, yeah, yeah, um, the Bills are super heavy relying on Josh Allen, which you can't blame him. But at the same time, you want to, you know, we just saw why you got to clean some things up around him. And, and unfortunately, the big, big question, the big storyline going into this offseason now for the Bills is it's going to be with the salary cap, with the free agents you're losing, with the pending changes on, on the way, um, you know, there's going to be it's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard to improve around uh, Josh Allen, not to blame the guy. You know, my man, you got to go eat. You got to go get yours. But his big time extension is kicking in next year and his cap is going from around 16 million to 39 something million. And that's going to, you know, you want to get a Jordan Poyer signed. Well, good luck. You want to sign Jermaine Edmonds? Good luck, you know. And and someone even argue that maybe this core of this team needs some things changed. I mean, you know, um, Hyde and Poyer have been, you know, great leaders on the defense. Same with uh, Edmonds. You know, they, they really groomed him uh, as a rookie, very young rookie. I mean, he was like a teen. I think he was like 19 when the Bills drafted him. Um, so he has a ton of experience for being so young. And I think that probably makes him their number one guy they'd like to get re-signed um Edmonds that is but I mean how many how many teams would go into underwhelming you know four plus years in a row and go okay you know let's get the same core back maybe the time for some change too I just throwing it out there we're in the offseason now folks this is what we do no no I think that's that's definitely fair I think they need to like I think they need to like make a Von Miller type move on offense. I think they need somebody else. I think Stefan Diggs yeah. and Josh Allen need help. I mean, they haven't drafted a receiver in um, the top three rounds, I think it is, since Brandon Bean took over. Uh, I think, you know, Gabe Davis was like a fourth or fifth round pick. Um, Cleo Shakur was the same thing. Day three pick. Um, yeah, and is that it? Um, Isaiah McKenzie was not drafted by the Bills. No, um, I remember he was with the Broncos before. Um you know, Beasley was a, a savvy move, but, you know, the sole vet or foot sole slot receiver guy, which do they need another one of those? I mean, Cole Beasley said he would like to come back, but he wasn't really factoring in. They didn't. It does look like they are going to maybe at least do something or try to change something up because they did not extend like a reserves futures contract for John Brown. And he made an appearance or two um, later in the season. So it looks like they're going to, you know, not not fully go back to the past and try to roll back with these guys that are now getting even older. But uh, yeah, yeah, there might be a world where the bills are uh, changing up on, on, like you said, um, I don't know if they can with the finances, make a Von Miller type move on offense, but um, I wouldn't put it past them to maybe use the first round pick on a receiver number 27 overall. And then, you know, um, 
go from there. Uh, I, 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 I can see the a world where the Bills need an offensive lineman in the first round, but the Bills just have not in the entire time that you know McDermott and Bean have been there, kind of screamed high investment in the offensive line. They just haven't done it at all. I mean, defensive line, yes. Offensive line, no. I think that they, with maybe it's Allen's mobility, whatever reason, they think they can kind of patchwork it together. But, you know, unfortunately, that plan didn't look very good against the Bengals. Oh, yeah. No, Josh will figure it out. He'll run around and figure it out, Nick, when there's free rushers running right in his face. It's fine. Yeah. Well, that's why I brought up Case Keenum and Matt Barkley. It's because uh, I'm just riffing off of that that Chiefs game where Andy Reid forces Mm -hmm. Mahomes to go look at his ankle looked at because Mahomes, you know, clearly had sprained his ankle. It looked bad on the field. And then he just sat on the bench, remember, and he was like, tape it up. <laughs> and Andy Reid's like, no, get your ass in the locker room and go take off your cleat and have them yeah. look at it, please. And Mahomes is like, no, no, no. And it's like, all right, well, we're bringing in Chad Henney. Uh, I think, I hope that's his name. I hope I have that right. I think it's Chad Henney, right? He comes in at Kansas City's two-yard yeah. line and the Chiefs go all the way down and score a touchdown on that drive because the Chiefs are so like, like, solid in their offensive system and situationally Nick and they it's simple enough not not that Mahomes isn't great but it's simple enough that they can just dumb it down and still be functional I don't think the Bills are like that I think it's it's like Tony Romo kept saying and again um, have you heard enough from Tony Romo yet Nick just to let you jump in here have you heard enough from Tony Romo I cannot listen to him anymore my goodness Tony Romo my gosh yeah, uh, I, I think, too, I, this this also can come down to some play calling, too. This isn't to be super critical of Ken Dorsey, who's his first year in the job. But when you have, you know, Andy Reid calling the plays on offense as opposed to, you know, yeah, Ken fair. Dorsey. Yeah, um, super you know, established with Eric Bieniemy and Reid. Yeah, and, and McDermott is the only head coach that, that was the, you know, eight left in the playoffs. He was the only one that wasn't from an offensive background. Uh, he was the only former defensive coordinator, you know, and that's not to say that's a knock on him. You know, it takes different kind of abilities to be a head coach as opposed to a coordinator, you know, but um, yeah, I mean, that's almost kind of where the experience too from Ken Dorsey can come in, but what are you going to do? Get rid of him because he's, you know, you, you got to give him a chance if, if you let him get this experience. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's, it's a, it's a valid point that you're making in terms of, um, you know, um, in terms of uh, Allen versus, you know, whether it be Keenum or Barkley or Mick Trubisky, who knows what's going to happen behind him. Yeah, it's just like, I think just other quarterbacks have it a little bit easier. It's just so much on Josh and Tony Romo kept saying, oh, Josh is going to have to, he's going to have to turn into Superman here. He's got, he kept saying that probably over and over, over what the six Bills games he did this year or whatever it was. Uh, he said that over and over and over again. There's some truth to it. As much as I'm kind of sick of Tony Romo, there's truth to it. You keep bringing up the hero ball piece. Maybe it's not all Josh Allen's mm-hmm. fault. They have to take some pressure off him, whether it's personnel, uh, play calling, getting better offensive line help, which obviously they have to do, getting some help uh, with receivers. Uh, again, I love some of the homegrown talent, guys like Isaiah McKenzie and Cole Beasley. They kick the tires on an OBJ at the around the trade deadline, but maybe they have to make an actual move there. First round pick, trade, something. I feel like that's coming. And let's get to digs here. Let's end it here, Nick. There's a lot to get to. I think we can parse out some more of this next week especially after we hear from Brandon Bean this week. Mm-hmm. But uh, Stefan Diggs, Stefan Diggs, there was um, obviously some animated discussion going on in the sideline, which is pretty crazy. You see Diggs with his arms o- up, just kind of giving Josh Allen some crap. Josh Allen doesn't even look at him. <laughs> so it was, it, was, mm-hmm. it was pretty fascinating. Joe and, Brady looked at him, the quarterback. Yeah, coach. exactly. Yeah, exactly. The way he was looking at him too, is kind of like, my looked, man, you know, there's cameras all over this uh, place, right? <laughs> yeah. Josh just wasn't, uh, he wasn't playing ball. He was asked about it though. And I thought he gave us a little something. Again, this is right after the game. Shot of him 
uh, you were on the bench and he was speaking, he had his arms spread, and then we just saw him leave the locker room early. Can you shed, you know, any light or insight into what he was trying to express to you? Uh, he's a fiery competitor. He wants the ball. And uh, whatever it was that we couldn't get him the ball tonight, um, you know, we're going to have to learn from him. So that was Alan's response, which I thought was telling, Nick. Uh, he said, again, not super PR conscious, but this is why you have to listen to those post those post game pressers, especially after a tough loss. You get some truth, right? What did Alan say? He wants the ball, and I think that's what it was, right? And it's like, so Stefan Diggs, he doesn't, he didn't talk to the media after the game. He wasn't there. Also on Monday, when we heard from the players, we heard from Josh Allen again, on like locker cleanout day or whatever it was. He didn't talk then either. He did tweet. He tweeted, "Want me to be okay with losing? Nah. Want me to be okay with our level of play when it's not up to the standard?" Nah, and he also said it's easy to criticize my reaction more than the result. And it's like, no, no, Steph, I'm 100% with you. And we all love you, Steph Diggs. Like, none of us hate you. We are, we're all with you. The level of play is not up to the standard. We're, we're all with you. We're all frustrated about that. But you're not, you weren't mad in that moment about that. You were mad that you weren't getting your touches. You know what I mean? And that's what I think. Yeah. That's where he loses me. And I, and I think Josh Allen kind of confirmed that when he said he wants the ball. And I think that's what it was about. And it's like, come on, Steph Diggs. It, it, you know, and and like the whole like not talking to the media, I just think it's a it's not a great look. Like that's when the fans want to hear from you is after tough losses. How are you going to respond to it? What's what do you have to say for yourself? And and that's like you be a pro and you talk about it. And Josh Allen does, and Stephon Diggs should too. He's maybe he's he is the best receiver in football. Him and Justin Jefferson. It's one A one B. But Justin Jefferson's a great example. Like he did the same thing. I don't know if you remember this, Nick, or saw it. There was a game against the Packers a few weeks ago, late in the regular season. The Vikings played a game against the Packers. They just got roasted. Kirk Cousins was awful. And Justin Jefferson got completely locked up by Jair Alexander. And Jefferson was losing it. After every drive, I was paying attention because Jefferson was on my fantasy team and I was in the playoffs. I really needed him to do anything. And he couldn't get he couldn't catch a ball. I think he finished one catch for 15 yards. It was that bad. And Jefferson multiple times was Biking his helmet on the sideline. And there's that meme that came from that game where Jefferson looks like he's about to bash the referee with his helmet. And he, he did it on accident. He wasn't trying to hit the ref. He was trying to spike his helmet, which he had done many times during that game. He just lost it. It's like, that's my take on Diggs. It's like, dude, be mad at the level of play, but don't be mad because the quarterback's not getting you the ball enough. You know what I mean? And Jefferson was clearly mad about that because he wasn't getting his balls. And I think Steph, like, dude, if you're drawing a double team, that's a good thing for the Bills. The Bills should be uh, taking advantage of that. Um, and But I also feel like getting him a T. Higgins type player, right? Jamar Chase has T. Higgins mm-hmm. and vice versa. That might help Stephon Diggs with some of the, the attention he does get, Nick. But what, what was your yeah, take on this whole situation? Yeah, no, I mean, it would have been nice if he talked. But, um, you know, there were, I guess, plenty of games this year where, you know, he didn't talk after the game. And he just, you know, it was just kind of the way he went about it, right? I mean... If he doesn't put his arms up in the sideline and he just walks over to Allen, sits there and they start talking to one another and he's like, you know, not screaming at him, uh, making a big scene. Nobody we wouldn't know. We'd just be like, all right, Stefan Diggs is talking to Josh Allen on the sideline. That's not what happened. Then, you know, he he realized that he ran out of the locker room in front of the media and kind of like stormed out. Apparently, you know, Duke Johnson or somebody ran over, grabbed him, brought him back in the locker room. Then he left again a couple minutes later. Um, whatever went on in there at that point, nobody really knows. But uh, I mean, it, it, there wasn't times during the regular season where you would see Diggs, you know, storming off or, you know, um, even, you know, uh, him 
he, this happened against the Cleveland Browns where he got upset in the sideline. Uh, he only had one one pass, I think, thrown his way, one catch in the first half against Cleveland, and it was right at, right at the end of the half. So for a lot of the start of the game, he was not getting the ball, and, you know, McDermott had to talk him in the sidelines, and it's just, yeah, I mean, you know, you you, you kind of can see a little bit where maybe he did get that kind of negative um, – negative uh i don't, I don't want to say you know storyline or whatever but when he was traded for the bills he's a problem and i don't think he's a problem i think everyone can appreciate that he's a competitor but you know i mean he also has to appreciate you know what the optics are from you know the outside looking in like my man we just saw you yelling at your teammate where you were you know taking cute little photos on the on the on the cover of sports illustrated for kids with like <laughs> you know you're happy to talk about that with us but like when things are bad you know, you want it to just write good things, you know, I get it. Everyone wants that, but you got to take the good of the bad. You know, if, if Bill's wire is pumping out, look at Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs looking really cute together on sports illustrated for kids covered um, a couple of years ago. When, when you're yelling at each other on the sideline in a massive disappointing loss, you're going to be asked about it, my man. So maybe don't like storm out of the locker room, like take the back door or whatever the heck you were doing the rest of the year when nobody saw you leaving, you know, yeah. you go that way. Yeah. Don't go right out of the front door. hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, the whole team is pissed that they lost and it wasn't, everybody knows it wasn't up to the standard. We're all pissed about that, but you're mad about not getting the ball enough. And you're mad at Josh Allen, who again, he didn't play a very good game. The offense sucked. The defense sucked. The coaching was bad. It was a bad plan. It was just a, it was just a no show from the Bills again. It was a no show, uh, but Josh Allen, like the dude, took a beating in this game. I mean, the two bloody elbows <laughs> through that white shirt, Nick. You know, I'll, I'll I keep seeing that in my head. I keep remembering that the vision of that. I mean, he was getting crushed. I mean, again, the the O line was horrible in the game, obviously. So uh, Allen took a beating. I mean, it's not like a, it, was a, it wasn't like a lack of effort. It wasn't just because of him. It wasn't because of Diggs. It was the whole outfit just did not show up for this game for whatever reason. The Bills got to figure that piece out and then figure out what to do going forward and how to to end this drought, right? We got to got to win a Super Bowl, Nick. We thought we were on the path to it this year and then it just, you know, it started going sideways again <laughs> right right around that that weird Vikings game. Remember that one and the in mm-hmm. the the Packers game too and it was just like it started going sideways. They lose to the Jets, the Allen injury and then then you mean Gosh, all the stuff with Demar Hamlin too. I'm sure, I'm sure the emotional component of that played a huge factor, right? I mean, guys just like completely not even thinking about football for a while there, just completely worried about their teammates' life. I mean, that's that's got to weigh heavily. I mean, I remember, I still remember Allen kind of weeping at the podium when he was asked about Naheem Hines's uh, kickoff return for a touchdown to open that Patriots game. He was like mm-hmm. weeping at the post game po- podium. So, just, I mean, obviously these guys were hugely affected by that. Where they just added added gas, I mean, all of that is playing into it. But I mean, I think personnel, coaching, all of it is under the microscope as we head into the off season. I think we'll start picking that apart in future weeks. But uh, but but yeah, that's where it at. I mean, that's that's where we're at, right? I, I don't know. I don't think I left you with a, a really a question or a rational thought there, there, Nick. I'm just um, I'm just you know spewing nonsense here. It's all fair nonsense, though, Ryan, <laughs> Thank you. To, to make you feel better. <laughs> Thank you. That does help. That does help. <laughs> that yeah. does help. Yeah. So, so yeah. So how do we how do we bounce back um, and keep things going after scoring three points in the second half of a twenty-seven to ten loss at home in a playoff game to the Bengals? Uh, tough question. Do you agree with Von Miller here? We can leave it here, Nick. Do you agree with Von Miller when he doesn't think this window is closed? He thinks the window is still open for this group. 
Uh, I think it's fair to say that. I mean, you get when these guys were healthy and they they had a lot of different injuries, and you know, if you you even not even Allen's elbow and Miller's knee, um, you know, you still we, we were talking earlier this year, you know, how much how good can this defense be when Trey White gets back? He finally got back. Micah Hyde's out. Quan Jones is even a guy in the middle, which the Bills have had a thing over recent years when they don't have their they only employ like one run stuffer on the defensive line, but they never give him like a backup. Like it was always Star Latulier and no one else was behind him. They'd have just, I don't know, Justin Zimmer or somebody come in next to Ed Oliver, someone like that who who just wasn't, I don't know, if you saw for a while they needed an, a, another guy they can spell in there just in case, but Bills didn't have that. Um, instead, they kind of opt for guys who can play on the edge and, you know, a pass rusher from the middle uh, kind of optic. Um but uh, yeah, just just there there is certainly plenty of reason for hope. But it's going to take to keep this ball rolling. It's going to take a little bit more, I guess, Brandon Bean magic than we're used to in the off season. Um, you know, we've seen it during the season with trades and and getting some deals kind of reduced. But um, yeah, yeah, the Bills they just don't have a lot of cap room right now. I think they really got to hit on their draft picks. Um, at least get one or two starters in there. Uh, and I think that would go, you know, a long way. You know, the, 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 the time is not to keep investing, uh, in, you know, top, top 60 defensive linemen kind of that it feels that the bills have done over recent years. Right. I mean, you got to get the, get, get a difference maker out there, whether it be a rookie receiver or something like that. But, uh, still, yeah. I mean, again, just the names that I've, re- you know, referenced, um, Von Miller's coming back, Josh Allen, a healthier coming back. Micah Hyde coming back. We do have some good players coming back here still in Buffalo. So window closed, certainly not, but uh, still disappointing. Yep, 100%. Window's still open, uh, but trenches, more offensive weapons, better, just a better approach, I guess, to games on off, on offensive defense from the coaching staff, not getting completely pantsed uh, by the Bengals coaching staff, all that on the table. We'll, we'll start picking that apart with more like, I'm going to try to have more like organized thoughts on that on, on in terms of the entire offseason. Nick, next week, I just this week, I'm still uh, my head's still spinning. I'm not used to seeing the bills get blown out like that. Um, it's just uh, it's <laughs> yeah. just strange, man. I think we're all kind of in the same boat there. Yeah, no, couldn't agree more. Uh, definitely in the same boat where yeah, it's weird times. You know, we've seen the bills lose, but not in this manner. No, no, it, it does not happen. So. Uh, for Nick Woten, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Check out his post-game stuff on Bill's Wire if you can stomach it. <laughs> I'm sure there's maybe some mock draft stuff coming up soon. Bad, folks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. It's just painful to uh to uh for the season to be over here before the championship games. Um of course. Uh, yeah. But yeah, but uh getting to we're we're on to twenty twenty three now and we'll start picking that apart next week. Again for Nick, I'm Ryan O'Leary. We'll catch you next time. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.